Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Content Clearinghouse. I'm Josh Evans. And I'm Brett Chisholm, DMB's number one fan. Yikes. And on today's episode, we talk feet, cocaine, and the man that loves them. I'm discussing the Tarantino-verse and the fascinating way all of his movies link together. And then Brett regains some of the credibility he lost when he mentioned his Dave Matthews Band fandom by telling me about an amazing YouTube channel that is sure to fill me with optimistic nihilism. He's talking about... Kurtzkazakt. Nailed it. First try. Movies, shows, and video games. Podcast books and their acclaims. Let their favorite content become yours. It's the Content Clearing House. Content Clearing House. And it starts right now. Three, two, one. <laughs> Fully clothed Brett. <laughs> Fully How clothed Josh. I can tell this is going to be a great show because I think we clapped to sync up the audio perfectly at the same time this time for the first time ever. We nailed it. You're always like a half second slow. <laughs> That's what editing is for. It's not It's not my internet connection. <laughs> You're slow. Oh, I see. That yeah, makes sense. <laughs> hey, I, actually, uh, listen to based this. on the way I've been functioning lately, yeah. I can attest that you are correct. <laughs> I'm running a little bit slow. I doubt that. Listen to this. Does that sound refreshing? A little bit of ASMR. A little uh, ice cold Topo Chico in a large suite in Brownsville, Texas. I have an air conditioned room. I'm living like a king, buddy. A Brownsville king. The uh, only disadvantage to this is you are no longer glistening. And I got to <laughs> tell you, you're glistening not hard on the eyes. I'm a 100% matte. And now there's no. <laughs> you are, yes. There's no yeah, sheen look- at all. Look like you've been rubbing climbing chalk all over your body. You're so dry. I'm so comfortable. Uh, let me show you this chair. I'm going to get out of the way so you can see this. Okay. This looks like... Can you see this? Yeah, I can see that. It looks like the, a chair that a stormtrooper would have in his stormtrooper office. It does. It's white. It's mostly see-through. It looks very cool. futuristic, but yeah, doesn't really look that comfortable, honestly. It's super comfortable. Oh, well, it shows what I know. I'm still using a trash chair that I dug out of your <laughs> wife's <laughs> garbage like eight years ago. So I may not be a chair expert. I don't think you are. So what you been up to since the last time I uh, saw you on Zoom? Well, I have actually had time to consume quite a bit of content, which is awesome. I'm really excited about some of that stuff I'll be talking about tonight. And uh, today, actually, you mentioned that you were flying through some crazy storms. And I know people love hearing us talk about the weather, but man, we had a <laughs> lightning strike that was, it looked like it was maybe 500 feet behind my neighbor's house. It, it like lit the sky up purple and the sound of the thunder <laughs> almost seemed like it preceded the flash of light. It was like instantaneous. It was really crazy. It might have been like one of the closest lightning strikes I've ever been to. Wow. So other than dodge, dodging lightning and consuming content like a true contentologist, just pretty much living the dream. I, I do want to correct you there just just in case any uh, past, current, or future employers listen to the show. We were not flying through crazy storms. <laughs> we were flying around thunderstorms at a safe distance 
uh, like usual on a on a summer season of aviating around the southern states. But yeah, I got some great pictures. Um, well, hopefully I'll- none of your employers hold my lack of knowledge of being an airline pilot against you when you said we flew through some crazy storms that's exactly what we were not doing today uh we i guess were, that's how planes crash if you so. if you looked around if you looked up our flight track you'd see us i mean we literally took like a 50 degree turn uh because we just couldn't get through this line and uh, you know burned a little extra gas uh, added on 10 minutes and we were safely away from uh, all the thunderstorms, but I got some sweet pictures. I just texted them to you. Check them out. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm no pilotologist, so I'm glad you uh, set me straight on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, something I did do here, I want to mention to you. Uh, I have for the first time kited my canopy. Nice. Take yeah. the old parachute out of the bag and <laughs> yeah. fly it in that beautiful 120 degree Brownsville wind. Oh, I was, I was drenched with sweat for sure but um i i did end up after doing it i, I cut the d-bag off so that i can uh it, i mean the pilot shoot the bridle well just the slink yeah you, know, you, know, you can just uh the slink hook it right i don't have uh i don't have like a metal link to unhook it it's a it's that slink thing that it's like a closing why, material why'd you cut it though you can just undo those. I can? Yeah. Well, not now. Now it's ruined, <laughs> but you could have. Oh, I didn't know that. That's why I was asking oh you. You need an expert. When you were asking about cutting things off of your rig, <laughs> I thought you were joking. Well, I, um, I was joking about cutting the bridle, but yeah. I was just like, should I cut the slink? I didn't know I could undo that. I thought it was like uh, somehow rigged to be permanent. Wow. Well, you'll have to replace that. That's Are those sure. expensive? Not really. Okay. It's just a it's just a pain to try to get anything new. That's yeah. kind of how I feel. But uh, man, kiting your canopy is actually really fun. Um, I've done it back in the day. I've done it quite a lot, and you know, like practice kiting it with a hundred and eighty degree turn in the risers, like kiting it backwards. Yeah, it's called yep. a blind man when you're swooping and you turn backwards. But also, like when the wind is high enough, you can lay on the ground flare the flare the toggles and pull yourself back up off the ground we used to call that a mr smith because it's like how mr smith gets up in the matrix oh nice like, yeah. slams the ground with his hands and whoop, raises oh, up that's nice i like that yeah, yeah it's pretty fun man brie was asking me why i would do that and i'm like i don't know it's good canopy practice it's fun it's something to do but she was kind of um mystified as to why i would kite my canopy but i really enjoyed the experience i didn't have a great explanation i just threw some answers at her but a thing that mystified me about something brie said recently is she said it really pays to have a contentologist as a husband and i was thinking about what she said later and i said really it pays to have a husband that's a contentologist (laughs) job pays nothing this job costs us money i i i don't think she understands the the perks, but I, I guess the perk she was referring to is I can recommend shows to her. But I used to do that before I got my degree in contentology. I pitched her all kinds of entertainment prospects. But just think of all the credit we get now that we've been to Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> that's certainly true. You know, speaking of kiting your canopy and the advantages that it gives you, since uh, 
you brought that up. If you're kiting your canopy and you're not turned around blind man, if you're facing forward and you're just kind of kiting it by feel, it gives you a really good sense of keeping the wing level over your head, which is anyone that's ever skydived knows that on landing, that is pretty much the number one rule. Like you have to keep other than don't crash into the ground, but you have to keep the wing level over your head all the way through the landing process, through the flare, pretty much until your feet touch down on the ground and the canopy stalls from you flaring it. And so, you know, you can do exercises like getting the wing flaring on one side and have it start to fall off and then ride it again without looking up at it. That's a really good drill to do. If you're looking for something that will actually improve your canopy piloting that you can do while kiting, doing level drills is really valuable because that's, you know, if you're landing like in a crosswind or something, and the, w- the wind is trying to push your wing off to your left side, you may be flaring asymmetrically more flare on the right. Right. And totally. so, you know, that's a, that's a really good way to kind of simulate that without having to put yourself into that position, you know, and trying to figure it out for the first time ever on a, you know, a landing that's something you're not used to. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> I've always felt crosswind landings. Um, if you just keep your eyes forward, I feel like, I don't know. I, I've never had like a really stiff crosswind landing. So I am not somebody that should be talking about skydiving on this show. I'm definitely not an expert at all. Well, I think like most problems that are caused on landing are usually caused other than like hooking yourself into the ground, you know, like a uh, flaring asymmetrically or flaring too yeah. high. A lot of it is just caused by being uncomfortable and maybe panicking in a situation sure because if you if you start to feel your wing falling off to one side your natural instinct as a human even though this is a wrong instinct you want to reach out on that side and brace yourself but anybody that's done you know skateboarding or snowboarding or whatever you know that like the proper way to fall and they teach this in skydiving too, the plf you want to bring your extremities in and kind of roll to your roll to your back, roll to your butt, like just absorb the impact, like on a, a bigger surface area than, you know, your little <laughs> sticks that are hanging off the side of your body. So I have arms. I'm not a snowman. Oh, well, I don't have sticks. I'm Olaf from frozen. <laughs> so if you've ever seen the way that my skin glistens in sunlight, you'll know that it's basically the same color as snow. You have but that it's, Robert uh, Pattinson uh, Twilight look for sure. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> if, I, if only I were immortal. But uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot of good stuff you can get from kiting your canopy. Yeah, I agree. And Bree would hear this if she was a fan of the show, which she isn't. So maybe I'll uh, <laughs> let her know what she said. And she's a wife, so she should be listening. That is true. That's... Uh, we really depend on those wives to boost our listener counts. <laughs> Half of the demographic. So what do you have for your off top, Josh? Oh, man. I went down a rabbit <clears throat> hole this week. Uh, are you a... Well, before I get into this, usually we don't really cover like content on the off top. And this isn't like a specific piece of content, but it's certainly content adjacent. And it's the kind of thing that makes you appreciate a certain brand of content even more once you understand it. But are you a Tarantino fan? You know, this is one of those things um, where I can't, like, I feel like a Tarantino fan is like a thing. It's kind of like a Dave Matthews band fan or like a, (laughs) no, I mean, 
No, I mean, just <laughs> just in the way that th- there's like a s- very specific subculture of people that like, you know, you don't just like DMB. You like really like DMB. And I feel like that Quentin Tarantino movies are in that same vein where people are like, you know, and so I would say uh, about Quentin Tarantino films, the same thing I would say about Dave Matthews Band. I am a fan, but I don't Awful love musician. everything. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what we That's say? a good one. Like, I'm a fan, <laughs> but I'm like I a casual fan. Like, I like some things. I'm not like, oh, yeah, I'm a Tarantino fan. But yeah, I mean, I, I can appreciate he is a genius director for sure. And he has created so many classics. Um, but I, I don't love every single one of his movies. I like some of them a lot, but I'm not really a big fan of others. Well, this might actually shed some light on some of the ones you don't like. We'll see where they fall into some of these categories. But I think that, you know, for a contentologist, it's almost a requirement to at least appreciate his work. You don't definitely. have to be a diehard. Definitely. And he's definitely Absolutely. a decisive figure. And I don't think that I would like him very much in real life. He seems like a little much. <laughs> a but little much. Like That's said, a great way to yes. put it. As a creative, he's he certainly li- a he, genius. From what I've heard, he likes cocaine and, and, he, and he likes feet. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, those are good <laughs> defining characteristics. It's but if you lot. had to... If you had to put a a finger on it, what would you say your favorite films of his are? Um, okay, so I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I feel like that's already going to be my favorite Tarantino. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> I really I, choice to pick one you've never seen. I, I have to see it because I am really fascinated with true crime. It has actors that I really like. Bree told me I would like it. Um, so I liked Django Unchained a lot um mostly because i'm such a big jamie fox fan um but i mean leonardo dicaprio all the memes that were birthed from that movie it's amazing inglorious bastards is it's a good one really amazing um those are probably the two that i like really 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 like um i don't know if you've ever seen death proof have you seen seen, that uh not the entire movie parts of it so I think it was Death Proof. Yeah. Okay. So I saw this might be when I didn't really like to, this might be like the the seed. Uh, it was I was a little too young to be watching these movies. I was in a movie theater. There was some sort of cult, like small film festival or something going on. And Death Proof was like one of three of these films. And I just found it extremely disturbing. It's like a guy like murdering people by driving his like race car murder car and hey, you know, stuntman Mike. Oh my god. He has like he has his death proof uh, car. Like that's the whole concept of the there, film. <laughs> there are scenes in that movie that I mean I, I saw it once like a decade and a half ago, right? I was like probably like fourteen or fifteen. I don't even know. It was probably it was probably like seventeen years ago that I saw this movie, there are still moments in that film that haunt me to this day. And you loved Martyrs. <laughs> I did. I did like that movie. It was really good. I but this was just like... This was the most just, disturbing movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but Other it was like, than... It was so I'll cerebral put- and like mysterious. Death Proof is just like real, like slow motion gore, like legs getting sliced during car... Oh, God. I like... Ugh. 
I don't put your feet up on the dashboard when you're driving with me because he loves feet. Also, <laughs> don't put your bag of cocaine up there. It might get it might get popped open by stuntman Mike. Uh, yeah, uh, martyrs very disturbing. But also, I wanted to make a side note of actually the most disturbing film I've ever seen is called is Megan is missing. Um, so wait, and it tops about, martyrs, dude. Oh, I yeah, gotta, it's about I gotta watch uh, it. It is. I mean, if you have kids, definitely don't watch it. You don't have kids. <laughs> So you may not be as disturbed by it as by it as I was, but it's about these girls going missing and about what happens to them. Oh, dude, it is rough. But anyways, that's not a Tarantino film. I think that my favorite, probably, I, I love Pulp Fiction. It's just like such a classic, but also Inglorious Bastards, which I think is probably the pinnacle of his work. Definitely. And what this is all getting at is it's been well established for a, quite a long time that there is a Tarantino verse. Have you heard about this? The shared I, universe of all of his films? Yes, I have. Yeah. So long before the MCU was doing this, Tarantino was uh, creating his own extended universe and you know exploring this world building exercise. And I definitely didn't come up with this, but I felt like I needed a red string corkboard just to keep track of writing it all down here for this outline. <laughs> but luckily, I found just that type of flowchart online that I will link. And even if it's not complete, this uh, this flowchart, it was made before uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think maybe before Inglorious Bastards. It still does really shed some light on how complicated this whole thing is. But first, let's just like talk about some of the connections because there, there are a lot of product connections and character connections. Like there's the uh, red apple cigarettes that runs through every one of his movies. Uh, but there's yeah. also like all of these character connections like Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction and Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs. They're they're brothers. And then there's the Scagnetti brothers, uh, Seymour Scagnetti and Jack Scagnetti. That's uh, Seymour Scagnetti is Mr. Blonde's parole officer. And Jack Scagnetti is the detective that catches the Knoxes in Natural Born Killers. And then they talk about, you know, the thief Alabama in Reservoir Dogs. Mr. White's talking about her. And that's Patricia Arquette from True Romance. And then there's Donnie Donowitz and Lee Donowitz. And Donnie Donowitz is the the bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards. And Lee Donowitz is the movie producer that uh, he's kind of like central to the story in True Romance. So it just goes on and on. There's like all these connections throughout all the films. But what I didn't know is that his movies are divided up into two separate distinct worlds. There's the real world and then there's the movie world. So it's the universe is divided into two parts. Uh, and there's really only one rule. It's that characters that appear in one world cannot appear in the other. So the real world movies are Inglorious Bastards, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, True Romance, Natural Born Killers, Reservoir Dogs, and Pulp Fiction. And all of these movies, they follow the real, the quote unquote real characters. And these movies are typically like grounded in ultra reality. This is where like his signature uh, extremely interesting conversations about mundanity come from. If you just think about like the like a virgin discussion from Reservoir Dogs or the quarter pounder with cheese conversation from Pulp Fiction. Wait, that's kind of like I, what what he's I'm having known a, for. I'm having a brain fire. Is Reservoir Dogs the one with um, Tim? What's his name? And bunnies there. No, no that's think- that is in Pulp Fiction. Reservoir Dogs oh, is, is the is one. It's okay. it's the it's the movie about the jewel heist. But Tim Roth is in it. Tim Roth. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like the undercover cop. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, it, it's like, I, I think it was actually his first movie that kind of like catapulted him onto the scene. Reservoir Dogs? 
Yeah. I think it was, I think I actually really liked that film. I just can't. That's amazing. I can't picture the plot in my mind. It'll come back to you. Okay. But, uh, so then there's the movie world and these, these films exist as in universe movies that the real world characters watch. And these films allow for a more surreal take on the world to exist. So when he explores like, you know, things like death proof, doesn't seem like really like one of his movies. That's because it actually exists in the movie world. This is a film that like Vincent Vega would go see. Also Django Unchained, Kill Bill, along with various Robert Rodriguez films like Dust Till Dawn, Planet Terror, Machete, Spy Kids. Those are all movies that exist within the Tarantino universe as movies that the characters watch. Oh, that's Which I thought that was really interesting. I'd never heard that before. So that and explains, is, I like the real world movies, not the in-universe movies, it sounds like. See, this is why I thought it would it would shine some light on it. But That's you, interesting. You do like some of them. You, like, you said you I like, do like Django Unchained. I do like yeah. Django Unchained, but really just because of the actor's performances. Like, I don't love the movie. I didn't like Hateful Eight, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, he has, I think, I think he has his 10th film coming out soon or something, but... Um, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of work. So it makes sense that some of it wouldn't necessarily agree with you, but you know, overall it is interesting that it's kind of divided up into the real world and the movie world. Yeah. That's interesting. The movie world is directly referenced in Pulp Fiction. When Mia Wallace discusses her pilot for Fox force five, when, uh, when they're at, uh, Jackrabbit slims for dinner. And, uh, she, she gives a breakdown of the characters that perfectly describes the characters in kill bill. Uh, She says, I'm just going to read this. It's a quote from the movie. But she says, there was a blonde one. She was the leader. The Japanese fox was a kung fu master. The black girl was a demolition expert. The French fox's specialty was sex. The character I played was the deadliest woman in the world with a knife. And those are like spot on descriptions for L Driver, which is Daryl Hannah. O Ren Ishii, which is Lucy Liu. Uh, Vernita Green. Vivicia Fox. How do you pronounce her name? I don't know. I'm not a namiologist. Uh, Sophie Fatal, which is Julie Dreyfus, and the bride, Uma Thurman. You know, all the characters from Kill Bill Volume 1. But then I found what was most interesting to me about all of this. This is from a Crack.com article before Crack.com started sucking. And this uh, this article made the argument that the reason that everyone in this world is so obsessed with pop culture is because of the way that World War II ended in this world. So in our world, you know, the story that we've all learned is that Hitler killed himself in his bunker at the end of the war. But in the Tarantino verse, he was gunned down by an elite group of operatives in a movie theater. And Tarantino has pretty much been showing us the ramifications of a world where pop culture plays such a huge part in world changing events and the kind of obsessions that would cause. He's been showing us all that for, you know, the last 29 years. And that I think is like such a interesting part of the whole thing because uh inglorious bastards would be the first real world film that exists in this universe and it really does set off all the characters in this world being as obsessed with pop culture as quentin tarantino is because he's writing all these movies and you know that would make a lot of sense if you know one of the most iconogra or iconic evil figures in history was killed at a movie premiere it would really put a lot of weight on films and TV shows and things like that being super important, you know, that they actually have the ability to change the world. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I think you and I share that same opinion that 
you know, entertainment content, pop culture is way, way, way more important than I think most people give it credit for. Probably even us give it credit for. It totally shapes culture. I mean, it shapes minds. It shapes society. Yeah. It's way more important than our money, too, because we spend a lot of our money making this show. (laughs) (laughs) My wife said it really pays off, though. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) you would know. She's balancing your checkbook. So uh, the only film that doesn't fall into this formula is Jackie Brown, and that's because it's not his original work. It was adapted from an Elmore Leonard book of the same name, and it actually falls into its own shared universe, uncreatively known as the Elmore Leonard universe that has its own entire timeline and flowchart of movies based on its, uh, based on his books that I won't be going into right now, but it's really amazing how deep this all goes. And this is exactly the type of thing that expands content appreciation to whole new heights. And since it's, I don't know, I think almost required viewing to watch every Tarantino movie (laughs) or 10, however many has every year, just keep this stuff in mind next time you watch them because this is what makes you know the MCU so interesting. You can see all the connections. And they're just not as obvious in the Tarantino-verse, but they all do exist, which is extremely fascinating. See, that, that does sound like something that a Tarantino fan would say. Uh, so, you know, I'm glad there's one of us being represented on this show <laughs> because otherwise, with me comparing uh tarantino fans to dmv fans i feel like we're gonna get a lot a lot of hate mail uh, from our tarantino fan listeners we'll read it on the show (laughs) and guess what they'll be right (laughs) yeah it's true (laughs) they're not wrong but i i'm just gonna be honest i'm not gonna pretend that i uh you know like really really like a person's work if i like i'm i would watch inglorious bastards once every two years for sure and I'd love every minute of it, but I do not think that every Tarantino movie, uh, every single year, should be required watching. <laughs> I well, that was maybe a little, a bit of an exaggeration. Yeah. There's probably a few I wouldn't watch every yeah. year either. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it's got some good content. I like it. That's that is a very interesting theory, and and leave it up to him. Now I don't like how there's always like that one exception that doesn't fit. And there's always a reason for it. Oh, it's it doesn't fit in the in the TCU because of such and so. But uh, okay. <laughs> well, when you create your own cinematic universe, Brett, you can write that wrong. It'll be perfect. <laughs> There'll be no plot holes at all. Yeah, that sounds exactly <laughs> like something a Dave Matthews Band fan would say. Casual. So what's on your besides? everything in the Dave Matthews band (laughs) (laughs) discography. What's on your content circuit? I I can't remember the last time that I've listened to a DMB song, but I do have some good stuff on my content circuit. (laughs) So I'm still working my way through uh, the hell that was Paradox book. Honestly, it's a book that could have been written by Tarantino. Um, I watched uh, something that I recommended. See, I do. I am usually write about the things I think I'm going to like. Uh, contentologist. <laughs> oh, what's up? So the what I recommended when we took a week off was Black Holes, The Edge of All We Know. Um, it well, It's a Netflix documentary. Check it out. Super fascinating. And then also per my drop zone friend, 
uh, Joey, his recommendation, I've watched a bit of Rick and Morty. I have gotten this show recommended to me so many times. And I mean, I hate to say it. You can kind of lump it in with like South Park or I don't know. It's it just doesn't like it's very clever. There's some very funny stuff and it just does not resonate with me. But I'm going to finish the season. I got nothing better to do in Brownsville. It's not like I'm <laughs> yeah. getting paid to you know what? be a professional had, here or something. I've had Rick and Morty recommended to me too by so many people whose opinions I respect, but I just never had really the time to get into it. Yeah. But I know that if I did, I would probably like it. But I don't know. For some reason, I just haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Yeah. Well, I want to love it, but I just don't. Yeah. Well, finish it and then uh, give me an update and then I'll make my decision based on your recommendation. Okay. Although based on your musical choices, I don't know if that'd be safe. (laughs) (laughs) I like all sorts of things, Josh. I Um, know. Some of them are just wrong. (laughs) Dave Matthews band. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for my past. Okay. It may be who I am. So um, I did also on this uh, rotation, I've watched The Big Lebowski. Uh, You know, this is one of those movies I'm like 95% sure I've, I've seen. I mean, it's obviously beloved in our culture of content lovers. It's and so I, good. Oh, it's so it's really, really good. And I, I remembered like snippets of it. But before watching it again, I was like, OK, I know I've seen this. Right. Right, Brett. But I couldn't explain the plot to you. But after rewatching it, I'm not sure I could explain the plot. And I'm not sure anybody really can explain the plot. But it really is a fantastic film. And I wish the voice inside my head was voiced by Sam Elliott. Oh, wouldn't that be... <laughs> Lovely, the dulcet <laughs> tones. Yeah, I definitely don't fall into the Big Lebowski like cult. I mean, it's it's like the definition of a cult classic, mm-hmm. but obviously it's a fantastic film. Can't take that away from it. It's amazing. I would put it above uh, most of Tarantino's library, but oh. once again, this is personal. <laughs> we're, we're touching on personal preference here. We are, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's about it. Besides Loki, been... Uh, I consume Loki as soon as I wake up on Wednesday mornings at like 5 a.m. I'll watch an episode of Loki. Wow. I love the show. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I've got to catch up on it. It's it is. So good. I really love the uh, I just love the whole concept of it, which I didn't think I would because I'm not necessarily like a huge Loki fan. Mm-hmm. He's actually like one of my least favorite characters until I started watching Loki. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Oh, they this is a great take. And just the set design, the I think her name's like Kate Huron or something. I'm not a rememberologist, but um, <laughs> Namiologist. This director is knocking it out of the park with the set designs and just oh my god. Yeah, I can't wait for you to see episode three. I'm gonna rewatch it. It it was so beautiful. I'll get caught up while I'm on vacation. All right. So I've got on my content circuit, the first thing is an app, which is really weird. But do you use the X-Launch app that tracks uh, SpaceX's launches? I do now. (laughs) Oh, man. When I saw it, I was like, this is something Brett needs. So So it gives you a countdown of when the next launch is happening. And you can watch how they do kind of like their live production of the launch. We can also go back into their launch history and see 
the success or failure status of every launch that SpaceX has ever done. And if you go all the way to the bottom of the list, there's like three failures. And then from then on, it's like hundreds and hundreds of successes with every once in a while, a failure sprinkled in. It's really interesting. Wow. So that's almost specifically a recommendation for you because I know you would love that. I know you would love. <laughs> I'm right next to door to SpaceX. Yeah. I'm like a countdown on your phone. I'm in the heart of space. I'm in the, I'm in the belly of the SpaceX beast. You may even have been too deep, <laughs> I, deeper than you should have. Gone. I accidentally trespassed. That's true. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's not, let's not uh, record that for posterity. Oh, <laughs> uh, so awesome. And then I found this YouTube page, uh, it's called the Vile Eyes, but uh-huh. he has a he has a series called Analyzing Evil, and this was uh, I was looking up stuff about uh, Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards, and I came across this video where this guy does these like psychological breakdowns of all these famous movie villains, and it's stuff that never would have occurred to me, which is so cool. He's got. Uh, he's got like breakdowns of Leatherface and he's got breakdowns of like, oh, I John Doe from, from seven oh, and uh, yes. Alonzo from training day, like all these classic horror or not horror, but like thriller villains. Is he like a it psychologist awesome. or something or a forensic? No, he even says that he's not, but he's very astute at understanding huh. like, what the, what the characters motivations are and like what the writers were getting at. Uh, I'll share that in the show notes. That's, that's one that as soon as I found it, I watched one video and then I was like, okay, next, next, next. I just started going through all these awesome. He's got a Darth Vader one. You'll wow. love it. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. That sounds it's right good. in my alley. Analyzing evil. Check the show notes for the link. And then the last thing is a podcast called After the Revolution by uh, – it's a podcaster that I've been listening to for a while. He's an, he's an ex-crack.com guy, Robert Evans. And he's kind of like a he, – well, he has a show called Behind the Bastards – uh, which is pretty interesting where he just goes into the profile of all these like famously. I've listened to some of people. that. Yeah. I've listened to several episodes. It's a, it's a great show. Definitely. So this show is, it's a fiction podcast. It's basically his book and he's releasing it as an, an audio format, one chapter at a time. And it's about the world after the second American, uh, American civil war. But it's kind of in a it's in a quasi cyberpunk alternate reality. So there's a lot of things that were like really straight parallels to the game cyberpunk. Like ev- everyone oh, in really? cyberpunk, the game has a cyber deck in their head, <clears throat> which is basically what allows them to have like an augmented reality overlay on the world. And that's that's something that's directly in this podcast. And they talk about having, you know, like cybernetic enhancements. I mean, that's a big part of this show too, but it's really interesting because other than that, it's all, it's all really grounded in near future tech. Like instead of fighter jets, you know, it's remote controlled drones flying around, which is kind of seems like where it's going. Yeah. And it's just about what it's like living in post civil war, Texas and being from Texas. It's really interesting hearing, hearing them talk about, all these places that I, you know, traveled to, or maybe even grew up in like Dallas and Plano, all these places that I spent a lot of time. And I, I'm assuming that's where he's from too. Cause he has, he does a really good job of 
describing it all. But that's a really awesome uh, podcast. You know, it's like all of this other content I'm recommending today. It's also free. So this is a lot of good stuff to maybe help hold you guys over since the content clearinghouse will not be available for the next few weeks. Yeah, I guess we should uh, touch on that. So uh, I guess we're taking a break. Uh, Bree asked me where you're going on vacation. And I said, I don't know. So I should probably ask you to be nice. Uh, where are you going on your vacation, Josh? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you asked, Brett. I'm going to Michigan. Same okay, thing we do every year. We go to the lake house and just nice. wake surf and hang out and don't do much other than hang out with the family, which is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So how? Yeah. So we'll be back in July? Yeah, I think like the end of July. I'm going to be gone for two weeks. So we have this episode that we'll release sometime mid-July. And then... I think towards the end of July, we'll have our next episode coming out. Okay, cool. You heard it here first, listeners. And you heard it here last. (laughs) (laughs) We just said it once. Well, how about we take a... uh, uh, Oh, yeah. It's your turn to take us out. It's my turn, Brett. You're doing content today. So I'll handle all the the (laughs) lead-ins. Perfect. (laughs) On that note, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, Brett is going to get into some content. What are some assumptions people make about you? What do they assume about you because of your profession, appearance, hobbies, or tastes? And how many of those assumptions are actually wrong? My name is Dave Kimball, and I'm the host of the Don't Assume podcast, a weekly show where my friends and I lay out all of our assumptions about one topic a week and invite in guest experts to validate or refute those assumptions. So if you want to check your own assumptions about doctors, racial division, skydiving, guns, flight attendants, or any number of other topics. Come check us out at at Don't Assume Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and find the Don't Assume Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you like to listen. The Don't Assume Podcast is streaming now. Welcome back to the Content Clearinghouse. That's my best radio voice. Brett, <laughs> what do you got for us? You would think it's like I'm recording episode one, not episode 59. With all these It does kind of seem that way today. Mistakes. Um, Recommending well, Dave Matthews Band, that is an episode <laughs> I, one recommendation. I didn't <laughs> recommend anything. I didn't recommend anything. I thought the metaphor was just spot on. But, uh, dude, if... If you go to a Dave Matthews Band concert, which I won't, <laughs> well, this is that's why I'm telling you this. You will see what what really is off putting because they put on a great concert, but the off putting part is the fans. You'll see people with like tattoos of Dave Matthews Band. Ew. You'll see the like Oof. the emblem on the car a lot. You're like, whoa! Like people are not a casual fan of this band. And that's all I'm saying is Tarantino attracts the same sort of uh, intense fervor around their particular content. I'm sure there's got to be a like a foot covered in cocaine tattoo out there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I bet there's quite a few Tarantino tattoos. Yeah, of course. Well, um, my content today has nothing to do with any of that. Uh, I'm going to start with a two-word phrase 
And I'm going to throw this down. I think you're going to love this. It is very reminiscent of Triumphant Tragedy. Uh, it's kind of along the same lines as Delusional Justification. That's a new one you came up with. Or maybe even like a <laughs> Go Big and Then Go Home vibe. Hold but, my helmet, watch this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but this has some juicy juxtaposition. So this is this is going to be a team effort. Okay, you ready for this? I'm ready. So when I say optimistic, you say nihilism. Optimistic. Nihilism. Optimistic. Nihilism. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> we nailed it. <laughs> so today I'm talking about an amazing and wonderful collective of online content that's uh, been around since July of 2013. Now, first, I'm going to maybe out myself as a little bit of an older generation contentologist. You see, the study of contentology is really a timeless and everlasting profession. But everyone is aging all the time. And as we consume entertainment, the ways that we do that continue to evolve. The Gen Zs, the digital natives, even the generation alphas, as that uh, super young generation is called, They're all coming online. They're continuing to contribute to this constantly shifting landscape. And I, you know, I'm still hanging on to the tail with like trying to figure out our own Discord and Twitch. I've maybe logged on to Twitch like twice to watch a Twitch stream. But I, I, going back, I mean, I, uh, did you ever use those big cassette things? Uh, As a child, tapes. <laughs> yeah. no, I was talking about VHS, but oh I, yeah, I guess the joke. There's a lot of tape-based media <laughs> yeah. consumption devices growing up. They were these were like cassettes, but they were big. That's how I started watching out my videos, and then I graduated to the shiny throwing discs, the digital video discs, the but- <laughs> rear view mirror dangling blinders. <laughs> but you know the these things became obsolete so quickly and fortunately i do feel like i was in this really unique position between those discs and whatever is next the one of the earliest 21st century content milestones that really ties these generations together is youtube youtube democratizing simplifying the uploading of short videos by basically anyone from, you know, the most grainy of vertical flip phone footage to these preteen narrating nonsense. And then you can go as far as these most polished, professional, high produced, engaging content on the planet. It's got everything. And it took the prevalence of higher speeds, lower cost internet, and really the ubiquity of all of us having these devices that would allow us to just conveniently stream content pretty much wherever we are, whenever we are to give us this global content empire. And I mean, it's, it's here and it is not without its problems. There's no shortage of public debate concerning all the issues with this platform. There's the dangers that were brought up in a Netflix documentary. I've talked about before the social dilemma. I mean, I definitely encourage people to watch this, uh, this, this documentary the issues that this thing brings up with these sophisticated algorithms tracking our likes and our dislikes building these accurate models of what we who we are basically or decisions that we're about to make it it is it's an issue that's more applicable i think to facebook or instagram but it's still a huge concern with youtube 
a more oh, relevant yeah, YouTube uh-huh. definitely you the YouTube algorithm will definitely feed you whatever you want. Oh sure. And Absolutely. it also feeds you ads based on your viewing habits. Oh definitely. The, the whole thing is really kind of gross. Almost as gross as all the Dave Matthews band footage loaded <laughs> up to YouTube. <laughs> I what freaks me out is recording this episode. My phone's right here. It's gonna listen to me saying Dave Matthews band over and over and I'm going to, you know, get all kinds of promotional content. Little oh, baby, no. come see my con- concert at the Gorge. I hope my Washington. phone doesn't do Little that. Baby. <laughs> 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 so, uh you're you're right to be concerned about YouTube and maybe Dave Matthews band too. I don't know. I don't know if he's back on tour, but it doesn't seem like the kind of crowd that's going to get a lot of uh, vaccinations. <laughs> <laughs> but a more relevant issue to YouTube, to the YouTube platform, if you will, um, it's it's a really complicated issue. It was brought to to light recently and kind of analyzed in depth on another piece of content that I really like: the New York Times produced podcast Rabbit Hole. This That's actually, it's so good. It features interviews with the CEO of YouTube. Uh, they talk to the computer programmer and creator of the YouTube algorithm. And people that were radicalized on YouTube were interviewed. And really, that's one of the biggest issues is this, the power of this predictive algorithm is, that's you know innocently designed to capture people's attention. That's all it was meant to do. But the unintentional consequence was it starts feeding you more and more extreme content that's more and more slanted to whatever little slant you might have had at the beginning. Um, So I'm going to put all of this complicated and troubling dystopian-esque technology aside. It is worth mentioning. But what I want to talk about is one optimistically nihilistic YouTube channel that is all about science and education. And in my mind, this is the kind of content that really reflects the absolute best of YouTube. This channel asks the deepest of questions. It presents the simplest of explanations to the best of our current knowledge, and it pairs it with stunningly simple yet beautiful animation that is sure to capture your attention, but also somehow not be a distraction. This is a channel whose name is even harder to say than it is to spell. And I practiced this before we started recording. I'm talking about Kurzgestatt in a nutshell. Do you know what I'm talking about here? No. Kurzgesagt. Kurzgesagt. See, I, I said it wrong the very first oh, time. Oh, now it's I Kurzgesagt. know. No. <laughs> I don't know. But that's that's actually very interesting because... That's exactly what this show is for. This is one of my favorites. Sell me something new. Kurzgesagt. Kurzgesagt. So it's a German word. Uh, and every time that I look it, look it up, I never know how to spell it either. As I'm doing the show notes, I'm going to have to look it up every time I spell it. It's K-U-R-Z-G-E-S-A-G-T. You'll see it in the episode title, obviously. So I'm I've, pretty I've, sure the Germans invented nihilism. So it sounds <laughs> perfect. <laughs> they did. So I've, I've heard it pronounced either... Kurzgesagt or Kurzgesagt, but I think Kurzgesagt is more accurate. It is a German word that means, you might have guessed it, in a nutshell. Uh, to be truly accurate here, the words literally translate to shortly said, 
But the English equivalent of this phrase, it kind of idiomatically is translated to in a few words or in a nutshell, very uh, appropriately named. So Kurzgesagt is a German animation and design studio founded by Philip Detmer. Now, Philip is not the narrator of these videos. I think that this is probably one of the most Googled questions by fans. Uh, that's my guess. That was one, at, when I became a fan a couple years ago. It's one of the first things I looked up. So the honor of the narration goes to a guy named Steve Taylor. And as the name um, just succinctly describes, it, or if you've seen just a single minute of Kurzgesagt, you would know this channel really focuses on minimalism. It's all about minimalist animated education. And at first, this YouTube channel is really a team of one or two Philip Detmer uh, was the founder. He graduated from Munich University of Applied Sciences. He started the channel in July 2013, published his first video about evolution, and things took off super quick. The videos were much more popular than he expected, and in six years, the channel went from a project that he worked on during his free time to a design studio with over 40 employees. Whoa. In terms of its popularity, Kurzgesagt has a whopping 15.2 million subscribers and a cumulative total of 1.41 billion views. Wow. And you can personally thank me for about 0.000071% of those views. So oh, you're you welcome, did the Philip. math on it. You know I did, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> why not? So what are some of their videos and why do I like this content so much? I'm going to deep dive into a few of my faves. Starting out with two newer videos, both released within the last month or so, and with a combined 14.1 million views as of now, so 8.2 million for the first and 5.9 for the second. First is True Limits of Humanity, The Final Border We Will Never Cross, and second, I'm going to talk about The Ultimate Guide to Black Holes. So in True Beautiful. Limits of Humanity, the nihilism in optimistic nihilism is really put on display as the narrator explains that we are trapped in a limited pocket of the universe, even if we are able to gain the most unimaginably high-tech sci-fi technology. And this further dives into some really big picture stuff like all the videos do. Like, did you know we are living at the tail end of the age of star formation? Apparently... No. I did not know this. 95% of all the stars that will ever exist in the universe have already been born. We are actually, <laughs> yeah, we are at the beginning of the end of the universe as we know it. In uh, one of my other favorite recent videos, The Ultimate Guide to Black Holes, I'm pretty sure that I learned more about black holes in 12 minutes and 15 seconds than the full-length science documentary with a 100% Rotten Tomato score that I mentioned already that was on Netflix, Black Holes, The Edge of All We Know. To be honest, you should still watch that Netflix documentary. Um, they're kind of... The thing that ties that story together is they build a camera. that They take the first picture of a black hole by using all these different um, radio telescopes from all over the world. So they turn the entire Earth into a giant telescope, basically. And it's a global project to take a picture, the first actual tangible evidence of a black hole that's not theoretical physics. But they I... They show that in the documentary? They do. It's it's really, really fascinating. Ooh, 
that's a selling yeah. point right there. I gotta yeah. watch this now. Yeah, for sure. But I, you know, I like there was also a lot of like, you know, uh, we used to be friends with Stephen Hawking and we're working on this 20 page uh, math problem kind of stuff. Kurzgesagt is going to get right into the nitty gritty that you really, really want to know. It's uh, it's in a nutshell, baby. Break it down to a five minute animation. Come on. (laughs) Exactly. By the way, uh, Kurzgesagt has five videos specifically about black holes, and that is not including their wormhole video, their white hole video, dark energy, or neutron star videos. So yeah, this I think should give you an idea of the kind of badass science content that they tend to focus on. What, what's the what's the creator's name? Philip Detmer. So is Philip Detmer a scientist, or is he just tapping on people with this kind of background? You know, we're gonna get a little bit into it um, when it was just kind of a one-person, two-person team. I think he was I think he was doing pretty much all the research himself and there has been a little bit of controversy as to some of the scientific accuracy I'm going to I am going to discuss that later now. We'll see part uh-huh. of the game of this show is to try to get you to jump around in your outline. That's uh... Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um he is not a scientist, no. Um he studies science, he does research. Um but I I think Really, the focus is a lot more on breaking these large concepts down and bringing a lot of curiosity and simplicity to big ideas. That's, I mean, that's really awesome. That's definitely something that science needs. Exactly. I really think that that's their contribution. And I really think the controversy I'm going to talk about later is just such a minor footnote, but like Tarantino and Dave Matthews Band, <laughs> that is my unprofessional, unscientific opinion. I'm just a contentologist, y'all. Well, footnotes are Quentin Tarantino's favorite type of note. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. So, <laughs> so um, let's pivot for a minute and mention a subject that we don't discuss quite often enough uaps or ufos for the uninitiated so if you're like me (laughs) you don't just look at this evidence and marvel about how crazy it is that there is a very 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 good chance that there is non-human technology flying around doing god knows what if you're like me you are probably sitting around all the time wondering you know What are these things? Where do they come from? How many other intelligent beings exist in the universe? Well, Kurzgesagt has also done some pondering for you. You might want to check out some of their popular videos like What Do Alien Civilizations Look Like? The Kardashev Scale. In the last 10 months since this video was released, it amassed a whopping 11 million views. Um, Another video, Why Alien Life Would Be Our Doom, That is one that discusses the Fermi Paradox and really explained the great filter concept much better than I have seen anywhere else. So if you like thinking about this kind of stuff, but you want it explained to you in a way that makes sense, they've got your back. Now, not all Kurzgesagt videos are astronomical or alien in nature. Oh, nobody. Now, I know you like to sit around thinking about the uh, weight of our collective crushing existence. (laughs) 
So yeah, yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> so I think you should check out Is Reality Real? The Simulation Argument, or What Are You Doing With Your Life? The Tail End, or how about Loneliness? That was insulting. <laughs> that, that last one just seems really personal. <laughs> or you can go meta with one of their videos, simply titled Optimistic Nihilism. Now. A few of my personal favorites, simply because they are just so damn ambitious. Uh, I like the origins of consciousness, how unaware unaware things become aware. Whoa, that sounds really interesting. (laughs) It is really fascinating. I just actually watched that before the show. I've watched that one like three times. Or do they they pause it? That's something that's happening like regularly? Uh, Yeah. I think, I mean, I think they're talking about the, how the building blocks of the universe can become sentient. I mean, it clearly does happen. It's happened at least once. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, w- um, I would say that there's probably a few sentient animals, creatures on this planet. I think Kurzgesagt would agree with you as well. Yeah. And I'm guessing a lot of those are in the ocean. Uh, a lot of what? Sentient things? This, yeah. Sentient creatures. Yeah, I think I think life started in the ocean. So, but I, I don't know if there's any sentient things in the ocean right now. That's a good question. Well, what do you think about dolphins? Oh, yeah, they're probably dolphins sentient. and and orcas and things like that. I mean, they definitely display in, like having societies. And I've heard that one of the one of the main arguments for why creatures like that haven't risen up in the same way that we have is being in the water, they don't have the ability to manipulate their environment the same way we do mm, primarily because they don't have access to fire, which allows you to do a lot of material manipulation. Right. You know, I've been mainlining Kurzgesagt videos, so I, I don't remember the uh, answer within the context of this content, but I do feel like there is a episode about the deep sea and uh, creatures in the sea. So I will have to revisit that. But uh, another one that I really like, just because it is so ambitious to answer this sort of question, it's called milk, white poison, or healthy drink. <laughs> the answer is white poison. Bovine belly pus. That's what I call milk. I think it's so disgusting. This is honestly one of their best videos. <laughs> I'm no neutrologist. But I do find it very gross that we drink other creatures' milk. And we it's, feed it to our kids. I mean, it's just like you have to. It, but I'm not sure we're sentient if we're drinking cow milk. If, if you're That's an adult s- drinking milk, gross. <laughs> Your bones I, are strong enough already, I assure you. I The problem is Topo Chico does not sit well with my cereal. Topo Chico? Yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Did oh, you hear that? Is that satisfying? that ASMR beverage yeah. from earlier? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's like the world's I, best sparkling water. I don't really eat much cereal, but when I do, I use almond milk. Like I almost, it, it doesn't make it any worse, but in the back of my mind, I know I'm not consuming bovine belly pus. Almond milk. Ugh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I got to put almond milk. water. <laughs> it really makes the rice, uh, the... Uh, Snap, crackle, pop, rice crispy. Yeah, uh, they they go nuts for it. But well, it does that on its own. You don't don't even have to put rice krispies in it. <laughs> it's already sparkling. 
Exactly. So I know what you're thinking, Josh. Quartz Kazakh really gross. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Quartz Kazakh really does have something for everyone, and you're right to think that. But you don't even know how right you are yet. Now I looked through their catalog carefully, and I picked one video that I felt like it was just made for you specifically. This is this video is really the gateway drug to a week-long binge of Kurtzgesagt videos. And this video is, it's about horror parasites. All right. <laughs> I, a group of extremely disgusting and mean parasites. This is their words, not mine. And this is explored in a video called The Most Gruesome Parasites, Neglected Tropical Diseases. Oh, man, I do love that. I used to love <laughs> Monsters Inside of Me. It's like one of my favorite shows ever. Just so disturbing the life cycles, how specific they are. Oh man, you're gonna love you're gonna love the animations for this. It's it, it's quite disturbing somehow, even though it's like beautiful 2D simplistic animation. Now, Josh, I have gotten to the point where I would be remiss as a professional contentologist, which is a real thing. Thanks for the reminder. If I didn't mention the little bit of controversy surrounding this channel specifically the criticism that it's not 100 percent scientifically accurate all of the time so Kurtzgesagt is considered fairly reliable but some of the channel's earlier content was criticized by the art libraries society of north america citing their lack of credible sources and professional consultation plus the use of emotive subjective language now, when I read that, I basically imagined a stern librarian with her hair pulled in a really tight bun, shushing YouTube. Science is supposed to be boring. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> so you know, the, you know what uh, makes people remember stuff? Boredom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the most notable criticism of Kurtzgesagt, uh, interestingly enough, is aimed at a video they released in 2015. That is not only their most widely criticized, it's also at the time one of their most popular videos on their channel. And it's uh, titled Addiction, and it apparently misleadingly summarized the conclusions of the contentious rat park experiments. Now, I decided not to click on the link to the rat park experiments after the recent last podcast on the left episodes on the Black Plague have filled Ooh. my haunted thoughts with nightmares of infected rats. <laughs> You don't want your computer getting boobos. <laughs> I don't. Oh my gosh. So I, I'm just going to assume the rat park experiments is just a bunch of scientists giving rats a choice between cocaine and heroin. And whichever one they choose, they're going to give the rat an electric shock either way. That sounds like science, right? It's usually what that happens. Is what <laughs> we do to rats, yes. Cut their brains open. Basically yeah. just torture them. Give them, them diseases. For yeah. Give them drugs, starve them, drown them. Make them listen to Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> <laughs> Try to program some sort of foot fetish rat maze. <laughs> yes. So my response to this is to say, look, science has never been without controversy. Science really isn't about green on a consensus to piss off anti-vaxxers and make flat earthers angry. Science is a set of tools where we test hypotheses 
we collect data, we record outcomes, and we make probable conclusions based on this observed information. And one of the best aspects of science, and the one important distinction that science has from religion that Robert Persig pointed out in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, is that science is willing to rewrite itself. It's in the ability to say that we don't know or we admit that we are wrong. That ability is baked into science, and that is what makes it the most powerful tool that we know of. And science is a tool, and we are more and more learning how to wield this tool to bring our wildest, fantastical ideas into fruition. And we are unlocking the secrets of the universe around us. The scientific revolution obviously started some time ago, but I have a feeling that we have barely just begun learning how to properly wield this super powerful tool. And this might sound a little bit like uh, emotive, subjective language with a lack of credible sources, and that's okay by me. <laughs> oh, you're talking about britches and talking. <laughs> <laughs> so to get to my point and wrap this thing up, the best thing I think we can do right now is to make the most interesting, wrinkle-brained science understandable and available for even the smoothest of brains like mine. And Kurzgesagt has been leading the way and doing an excellent job on that mission. Is it going to be perfect? No. But remember, you're on YouTube. You're not getting a PhD at Harvard like we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the... What is the complaint about that? D does that video make some claims about addiction that have been proven since 2015 to be false? That is my understanding. But like I said, I ain't clicking no rat links. But I mean, <laughs> even if that were true, isn't that how science works? Because, I mean, there's no real scientific law. I mean, from what I understand, everything is still just theory because our understanding of the way the universe works is evolving. So... Couldn't it be that maybe they were working off some evidence from, you know, the early 2000s or the early 2010s that has evolved since then? Absolutely. Or and I think are they making claims that these that when they made this video, they used improperly research. I don't think so. I don't know the answer to that. But my understanding is that at the time, like these videos are relying on whatever the current understanding is. But a lot of Kurzgesagt is looking at really, really big ideas, super theoretical stuff. I mean, and that's the stuff that I've really, really enjoyed watching is stuff about black holes, string theory, quantum computing, you know, um, consciousness. I mean, really, really fascinating stuff that is obviously going to be somewhat theoretical. But if you can watch a 10-minute video on quantum computing and feel like you sort of understand it, that's a breakthrough. Like, that's amazing that making those huge ideas accessible on on such an accessible format with incredible animation. I mean, it is it is to me, it is like a godsend of education. But I think that these these, you know, I don't want to say institutions, but these particular people that are leveling these criticisms, I think it's OK that they're trying to hold Kurzgesagt to a very high standard. They're holding this to a standard of a science educator. Now, mm -hmm. That's a pretty high standard. And that there's nothing wrong with that. And what I think is happening is Kurzgesagt is... <laughs> I, I can't even say it. Kurzgesagt is really meeting those... You know, I think they're they're uh, heeding the call. 
And like they have a team working for them. I mean, they are working really, really hard to put out quality content. Like they're they have a mission and they're achieving it. Well, it's, it's also very internet of whoever's lobbying this controversy their way. Whenever something gets big, to you know, find a chink in the armor and yeah. then try to cancel everything they've ever done. And I think that with what you're describing, a, a YouTube channel that covers such a wide range of topics, there's bound to be a video or two that doesn't necessarily hit every point perfectly. But I don't think that that discounts anything. You know, it's it's like if people were going to judge us on our lowest point, the Starship Troopers episode, which I did, which was horrible, <laughs> then no one would ever trust us for any content recommendations. But... Well, you're forgetting that uh, the the DMB blood has been spilled today. <laughs> oh. We're gonna. Oh uh, well, no, I wholeheartedly stand behind that. <laughs> it's the world's worst band. But Nickelback. I th- I Nickelback. That... Nothing's worse than Nickelback. Come on now. <laughs> you're right. You're Come right. It's now. it's a tie. I'm gonna buy you a couple of tickets to DMB, <laughs> and we're gonna go. We're gonna have a great time, little baby. <laughs> See, I would have gone to a Nickelback concert as well. <laughs> oh, but. I would go to I would go to a Dave Matthews band. I won't even I won't abbreviate it for you. I'm going to say <laughs> it all out. But I would go to the con- I would go to one of their concerts with you because I'm sure I'd have a great time. Yeah. But what I wouldn't do is buy any merchandise or download a single one of their songs <laughs> that's, ever. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Spend your time and your money on Kurzgesagt. So I do want to um, bring up another little nugget that I think will really sell you on this show because I know you're a fan of Wait But Why. Um, Now, there is a little project that has been on my radar, I would say, for about the last, uh, maybe about a year. I've had this app. It's called Universe. Now, this is a cooperative project between Wait But Why and Kurzgesagt. Interesting. They teamed up. Uh, Tim Urban and Philip Detmer's team, they teamed up to create basically a an app that explores the scale of the universe. It's got all the animation quality of Kurzgesagt and sort of taking these big ideas and then the way t- Tim Urban runs his Wait But Why blog, amazing blog, where he loves trying to do a very similar idea of exploring these big concepts and making them simple. And this... Um, this app really is looking at everything in the universe, like from a from the tiniest thing we know of to the biggest thing that we know of with a human in between. And you scroll on this app to compare oh everything. God. It's really fascinating. It's really, really fun. And I actually pitched this uh, to a guy at a campfire on New Year's at Camp V. And I was like, you got to check this out, guy. I don't remember Did how you- it came up. Tell him but you're a contentologist. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> you're he supposed was, to be promoting the show. He was the founder of Lem's Shoes. And so he sold me on his shoe brand and I sold him on somebody else's app. <laughs> oh, well, you should have told him about the content clearinghouse. <laughs> I will do that um, on New Year's 2021. Uh, or I guess it would be 2022, wouldn't it? Anyway. Yep. So, the you know, it's awesome. March of time. You know it's awesome when they uh, have teamed up together to make a really 
sweet app. I'm holding it up oh, to the camera. Oh, man. Brett's scrolling it right now. That looks fascinating. Yeah, I'm going to download that tonight. It's really awesome. So, uh, in conclusion, as I said before, Quartz Gazakt really embodies the best parts of YouTube. It shows the true power of human creativity that a small team would take the most mind-boggling of ideas, history and science, and then work very hard to simplify it to the greatest extent possible to make these usually challenging to understand concepts accessible for pretty much everyone with an internet connection. And to me, it is also a reminder of the awesome nature of human curiosity that we would even ask questions like this to begin with. So in a nutshell, Kurtzkazakt is fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that does sound exactly right up my alley. And this is, I mean, this is exactly what the internet is for. You know, there are these mind boggling concepts that you would never be able to get a handle on without crowdsourcing this kind of information. It's not like the average person would be able to go to the library and, you know, use the Dewey Decimal System and then find the encyclopedia and get all of this information. You know, and now I I just think it's amazing the era we live in that you can stream it to your phone and get this wide ranging category categories of information just, you know, beamed right into your brain. And I really want to see it too. I, I love like real simple infographic style animation. So yeah, this is definitely something that I'm going to, first of all, I need you to text the name to me and <laughs> yeah. then I'm probably going to be watching a lot of it tonight. And it's really awesome. You're, you're going to enjoy the crap out of it. I mean, it, it also, kind of seems like, uh-huh. well, it kind of seems like what Neil deGrasse Tyson does just in video form, you know, like he's kind of like a, one of the great science explainers and it seems like that's kind of what they're doing, but maybe even in, in a more palatable form than just, you know, a sultry toned man <laughs> describing his, with his jovial nature, all of the secrets of the universe. Yeah, I think I'm going to. I'm going to have to uh, put my money on Kurtzgesagt in this in this scenario for sure. And I think if if nothing else, we did. Maybe you and I discovered one of the great secrets of the universe, and that's that Dave Matthews Band is the milk of the musical world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Uh, <laughs> I I have nothing left to say except maybe little baby. Oh no! <laughs> well, Brett, that was awesome. Um, I'm going to be checking this out tonight and be checking out the Universe app as well. So thank you very much for that. Also, thank you everyone out there in the content clearinghouse listener world for listening to the show. We truly appreciate that as well. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us. You can email us at contentclearinghouse at gmail.com. We have a Discord. The link is in the show notes. Also, check out our Instagram and Facebook page, The Content Clearinghouse. Brett writes a lot of really awesome, funny stuff there. And remember, we're going to be off the air for a couple of weeks, but we'll be back uh, towards the end of July. And you know we're going to be bringing some more great content right into your ear holes. just looking at my phone and I realized that YouTube has been recommending these videos to me for the past several as long of time units as I can remember. Like I just saw a thumbnail for uh, 
the it's like the largest star and it has a comparison to our sun. And I realized like, well, I've seen this thumbnail in my recommendation queue forever. So apparently this is right up my algorithmic alley. <laughs> nice. YouTube knows you better than you do. That's right. What's that I hear in the background? There, <laughs> <Brett>? <laughs> so I thought I'd, I thought I'd just remind myself of uh, some of my favorite Dave songs. You know how I roll. Let's see, number 41, Crush, love that bass line and intro, Two-Step, Ants Marching, Jimmy Thing, Lie in Our Graves, Warehouse, If Only, Drunken Soldier, Spaceman. (laughs) Fuck, I love Dave Matthews, man. I forgot. I forgot. My love of Dave has been in hibernation. Wow, and you've been so happy these last few years. I wonder <laughs> if there's a correlation there. <laughs> oh, that's funny.